morning, everyone. Boy, Children's Church, there you go. I knew I'd remember. So good to be with you all this morning. It's good to be in the presence of God this morning and opening up our Bibles and worship and fellowship and singing about Him. And, and I'm thankful for all of that this morning. And, and I'm thankful for you this morning as you come to church. And let me just say a few things before as they kind of filter out of here. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1 again. But let me just say a few things that, about church. Why do we come to church? Well, you know, it's good for us. You know, we always do the things that are good for us, and it's good for us because we need something in our week that is positive, that is wholesome, and truth. Because we get, we get hit with so many things throughout the week, and so coming to church on Sundays, on Wednesday nights, and Sunday nights, of course, is just good for us. It's something positive in that. But it's also a way we connect with each other. Fellowship, and that's really the theme of what John is talking about in the fellowship, not only with each other, but the, with the Lord God. But it's also about worship. As we come together, we're in the presence of God, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we come together and we can sing about, about him and, and about his eyes on the sparrow. Does anybody remember the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and the Crusades he used to put on? I do. There was a gentleman there and sang was George Beverly Shea. And George Beverly Shea could really sing, and he sang that song all the time because his eye is on the sparrow. And I'm grateful for that because God's eye is upon us today, and I'm thankful for that. We have so much to do today and so much to be thankful for. We're going to have a baptism at the end of this service. I am just, you betcha, I'm thrilled to death about that, and, uh, and I cannot wait. And uh, Ethan's over there, and I'm sure he just can't wait for the sermon to be over. But uh, patience, patience, here we are. So I'm just grateful for you this morning as we turn to our attention to the Lord God and His Word. If you'd stand with me this morning, we'll read in 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10 this morning because God has this, this message for us, and it's about fellowship. And I'll just let you know right now before I read it. The whole meaning of this passage is about our fellowship with God. And John writes to the Christians a long time ago. He says, I want you to know something about your fellowship and what it's intended to be and what God intends it to be. And so as we turn our attention to this, we're going to see some things. We're going to see a basis and we're going to see two appeals. But it's all about who it's based upon and it's the light of the world. And you'll see that in just a moment. And so when we see this, we, we read together and it says, and this is the message. Remember, it's about a message. We have heard from him and announced to you. I love this, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's your basis. And then here comes the things that he's going to be talking about, the things that may hinder us. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, now look at this, from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, and I love this passage, I, I reference it all the time, and you should too. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so we'll just end right there because we're talking about the fellowship we have with God. So let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, because of your greatness, and Father, that you are light, and there is no darkness in you whatsoever, so therefore you are pure, and through your purity, and Father God, through your holiness and righteousness, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we can be made whole as well. Now, Heavenly Father, when we know that this earth and this walk that we have in this life will have a lot of things hurled against us, a lot of things that will tempt us, and a lot of things, Lord, that um, wants to distract us from that fellowship. But, Heavenly Father, as we're here today, let every heart be doing some searching and some investigating, some examination into our hearts that as we listen to these words, the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts that we may move in a closer fellowship with you. And Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, God. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that we can, that we can preach these great truths and great joys that we have fellowship with you. So we just thank you and praise you, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I wrote this sermon before we went on the Christmas light tour Thursday night, but I'm just going to tell you that um, I enjoy Christmas lights. If you've never been to Chickasha and the Festival of Lights, you need to go. You either drive through it or you can walk around it. And I can tell you that any time you go on a trip with me, it's probably going to be an adventure. And, um, and so the, we, I had, uh, my, we left here and I went there. I had never driven through the thing before. And, and so I was, I was trying to be, you know, leader and positive and everything. And my whole trip there, I'm thinking, I don't have a clue where to drive through this thing. Not at all. So I got there and I thought, well, I'm just going to wing it. And I did. And so I was driving up through there because we went a couple weeks before. And we parked on 12th Street. And I thought, well, that's good enough. And I know there's a road going down through there, so I'm going to go that way. And so I was in the big, big van over there. And um, as I was going through there, um, I thought, there's a road. And we knew there was something wrong because when you go around a barricade, something should tell you something. <laughs> but I went on because all I could think is that all they can do is say no and, uh, and turn around. And, and that's what the sheriff did about halfway through. <laughs> but along the way, we got to enjoy a tour through and half more lights. And, uh, and, the, and so I don't know if my, if my uh, passengers were... Uh, Praying for me or not, or maybe looking for bail money, I do not know. But um, I love to see the lights. And that's the real purpose. We went to see the lights, and we got to see amazing things. We got to see um, just the, the brilliance of it all lit up. And I'm grateful for that. The colors, the blinking, or they're fixed, and, I've, and, the, and I just enjoy looking at those things. And Because the lights that I see are a reminder to me and a reminder to you about the light of the world. Jesus said in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12, He says, I am the light of the world. And what does that mean? It means in a world full of darkness that we have a light that has come into it, and the light that we have that has come into this world is freedom, joy, forgiveness, and life. And so as we look at those lights, and if you go to Chickasher, wherever you look at the lights, be remembered that the light of the world has come into this world to remedy darkness. That's what it was, because the, there was darkness. You go all the way back into the uh, beginning of time and in the beginning of the world, and you'll see that the, the world was void and darkness is upon it. 
and God placed light and it changed everything. And the light changes everything to remedy the darkness. And I'm going to tell you the darkness is about the, the sin that was incorporated into us. And God doesn't want that for us. And so the light has come into the world. And the light to remedy, uh, at the, even at the beginning of Jesus' life, an angel came down to Joseph and said this. He's come. He's come to bring salvation to his people and peace and goodwill to all men on earth. And so this fellowship that we have, that we enjoy this morning with Jesus Christ is for everyone. Praise God that we have the light of the world's come and that's to save his people from their sins and to bring all that. And so Christmas is God coming into this world and bringing salvation. And I want to tell you that, that, that um, when we look at this a little deeper, we're going to see that God not only has that salvation for us, that freedom, but he also has fellowship with us. And what does fellowship mean? It means relationship. A lot of people don't realize the full scope of when we are saved, that when God has forgiven us, that we are made brand new and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus in us. We can say that Jesus is mine and I am his and therefore it is instant, permanent, eternal relationship. And we are on this earth right now we only here for a short time because heaven awaits and we're here for right now and we can experience that fellowship right now, that relationship right now. And God wants us to do it in the very fullest possible measure. And so John is here to remind us that sometimes we do get tripped up. Sometimes we do lose our direction. Sometimes we do go around a barricade. But God in his grace puts us always back in the right direction. And so I'm thankful for that. And as we're going to turn to our text this morning, I just have a few things to show you this morning. And the first one is, it's about our walk. Let's take a look at this. And he says in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So let me break this apart very quickly here. What does it mean about our walk? Well, there's two ways to do it. You're going to walk in darkness, you're going to walk in light. Now, before we get too deep in this, what does walk mean? Well, what it really means is, is that you can transfer, if you would, substitute the word walk for what we do, our behavior. Now, that's the first thing I'm going to tell you is because that's how we walk in this, how we, how we present ourselves and what we do in this earth. It's our behavior. And I can also tell you this, and this is something, one of the first point I want to give you, is that behavior is a language all of its own. Ever tell people that, uh, people that the first impression is the most important one and how you present yourself and all that because people make those first impressions based upon that? Behavior is a language. Because most of communication, I took speech in Oklahoma State University, and I thought it was going to be one of those slam dunk uh, types of... Um, uh, classes to take is the hardest one of the hardest classes I took right along with horticulture and forestry man I tell you that forestry is tough but we had speech class and we learned that 70% of all communication is nonverbal and so when we look at other people and we see or they look at us what are we projecting what kind of behaviors what kind of attitudes what's, what's coming out of our mouth you see behavior 
is a language all to its own. And so God is very aware of that, and so therefore John writes about what we do on this earth. And look at it again. And so there's not only about this about our walk and it being behaviors of language, it's also about what we convince ourselves of. Look at what he says here. And you're going to see this many times in just this very short. He says, if we say, let's go on just verse 7, but if we walk, in verse 10, if we say, so there is this, um, there's this, this way of speaking to yourself and this something we convince ourselves. So let's take the first one right here. And he says in this walk in darkness or walk in light, if we say we have fellowship with him, so there's this possibility, or maybe sometimes it's, a, it's, it's um, uh, what, uh, something we aspire to. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. Now let me get to the next one. And he says this in verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And let's go to verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word's not in us. Why did he say those three phrases? Well, it's about our walk and about our behavior and about what we convince ourselves of. And so God wants to make it very plain to us through John that we can deceive ourselves. And so there's some things that we, we could possibly do in this life that our behavior as a language is not reflective of the fellowship that we have with him. And so John is making that aware to us. And the first one he says, the fellowship is everything, but it's all about your walk and about your behavior with him. And so when we see this, we see that um, our life, now listen to this, is intended for fellowship. It is intended for fellowship. If we look a little deeper in this, we'll see that in there, there is no darkness at all. And so darkness that we have in our life, if in our fellowship with him, is counter to joy and fellowship. Because you'll see that uh, it's all about what John has written previously. It's about fellowship and it's about joy. You see that in verse 3 and you see it in verse 4. And then we know that our joy is made complete. But darkness is counter the walk that we have, if we're walking in darkness, it is counter to the joy and fellowship that God has intended for us. But I can tell you that many times, and most times, it is something that we choose to do. And so John is very adamant here. He says, you need to watch what you do. And so this life that John writes here is intended for freedom, relationship, also dependency upon God, and love. And so when we look at this, we see that he does not want those that he calls his own fumbling and stumbling around in darkness. The behavior that doesn't match up with the fellowship. And so John is very in our face here. But there's joy in all of this because we're, we're going to see that um, we have a basis for what we can have in this relationship. And if we do stumble, if we do fumble around in this message... What is there for us to put us back on the right path? To put us, turn us around and come back and go the right way? Well, we have it right here, so it's about our walk. And the second thing is, there's a basis in two appeals. Let's look at the basis first. The basis you'll see in verse 5. Now, this is very important because a lot of people don't pay attention to this and they just kind of cruise through it and say, well, that's nice and everything, but it, it's the whole foundation. It's the basis. And this is the message we have heard from him 
Now, he's going all the way back into the time that he was with Jesus. Remember, he says up here that he says, we beheld our hands handled him in verse 1 concerning the word of life. And he says, now, here's the message. Here's the message we have heard. And this goes all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, from him and announced to you. So there's the message of Jesus. Now he's given it again, announced to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. In Greek class and seminary, we centered on 1 John. And my professor, Dr. Brewer, was one of the, the, one of the most gentle, hardest grading people I've ever met in my life. Because Greek is not easy. He made a sermon out of verse 5. And he says, I want you guys to know something. He said, when he says there's no darkness in him at all, there's not, the, the way the Greek is written here, there's not a speck, not an indication, not a hint. There is nothing at all about darkness in Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, as we said in, in, the, in the Gospel of John eight twelve. And you know when he said that? He was in the temple, and as he's in the temple, there's this great candelabra, and this great candelabra is there for when the Messiah comes, they're going to light this thing, and Jesus is standing right underneath it and says, I am the light of the world. Because it's important that we understand the light of the world, he says, there's no darkness in him at all. And the reason why we preach and, and the reason why our doctrine so clearly states that Jesus came into this earth from above, through Mary, through a virgin. There's no sin in him at all. Our Lord Jesus Christ is completely sinless. He wasn't born of a man and a woman. He was born of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. And so therefore, his life was completely blameless, innocent, and sin-free. And the reason we needed that, we see it in Hebrews, don't have time to go there, but Hebrews tells us that that precious blood of Jesus Christ had to be free of sin so he could free us of sin. There was no other way. Because we cannot have a somebody else do it, a man or a woman do it, because they are born in iniquity. As, as David says, I was born in iniquity. And so he was born of the Holy Spirit and, of course, the Virgin Mary. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. That means there's no guile in him, there's no imperfection, there's nothing but holiness and righteousness. And we need that. That's the basis. And when we look at this, we see this moral perfection from God, the absolute holiness and purity that has come into the world because, there, as I said before, there was no other way for sin and darkness to be abated except through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. That's our basis. And let me ask you something because we need to put feet to this now. We need to put a little structure to this. I'm going to ask you now, do you have the light of the world living in you? Or is there darkness in this world and a darkness of sin that you have not let go of? And I'm talking about salvation here. I'm talking about have you accepted Jesus Christ, received him as your Savior, and said, this is what I want. I want to be free. I want fellowship. I want relationship. And I don't want to be a part of the darkness of this world anymore. Or in sin. But let me just take this again and put a little more structure to it. Are you a Christian here? but you've allowed too much darkness in your life. You've made too much and too many compromises with darkness because God doesn't want us making a compromise with darkness because you are his and he is yours. It tells us in, in, the, in Peter's epistle, be holy for I am holy. 
Now, it's easy to do, and we're going to talk about that in just for a moment. But you see, we have the basis, and do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Because if not, I'm telling you, darkness is your destiny. With Jesus Christ, light is your destiny. Now, I know this when it gets dark that um, you can't see or do anything really well. Now, we can light it up with a flashlight or a headlamp or we can put lights out there. But what pierces the darkness is light. And so we need it or else we're going to be fumbling around and stumbling around. I would much rather be able to see where I'm going than just kind of fumble around. And without Jesus Christ, we are just stumbling and fumbling through this world without the fellowship. Now, if you're a Christian and you, and you uh, have enjoyed some darkness, and because the Bible tells us that sin is pleasurable for a while, but it always has a massive cost. Because our sin will find us out, and God knows everything. And so when we look at this, we see this, that John sees this so important that we understand that God is light and there is no darkness. He, he, he gives us a double negative on this. He says, and in him there is no darkness at all. None, none whatsoever. He wants to emphasize the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way. That Jesus Christ is the only Savior. The only Messiah. The only, the only one that has come and taken our sin. And so that's the basis. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. You know, we attribute a lot of things to Jesus, and there's been so many movies out there that try to put Jesus into, the, into our shoes and say, well, he had a temptation, and he had this and had this and everything. Don't you believe it for a moment because our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world sinless and left this world sinless because we needed him to. Praise God for that because he... That precious blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, the Bible tells us. So there's the basis. So he gives us an appeal. And the appeal is this. Let's take a look at this. Verse 6 and 7. So we've already read 6, so let's concentrate on 7. Now look, we have a different walk. But if we walk behavior, if, we, if our behavior is in the light, just as he himself is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So look at that. that we see this appeal. We are intended to walk in the light. That's what God's intention is. He doesn't want us in darkness anymore than, than our soul cries out for. He says this. He says, before we see our darkness, we see that he's light, yes, but you see that Jesus... Uh, intends for us to walk in the light and he cleanses us look what it says and he cleanses us from what all sin now if you mark in your bibles it is okay there's some things i would mark down all sin cleanses us from all sin and when we look at this a little bit deeper we see that he cleanses us from all sin in this and and he sets us on a new course. It's the fellowship is restored. So those without Jesus Christ have never received Jesus Christ. It brings us brand new life. And for a Christian that maybe have stumbled into the darkness or welcomed too much darkness in their life, we know that he cleanses us from all sin. And so therefore we're intended to walk in the light. And so we understand that he wants this, intends us to walk in the light. He has done this intentionally. 
because it's about the fellowship. Remember, everything is about the fellowship. He's made us new. He's set us on a new course. We no longer walk, the, walk, walk into this world. We walk in the light. And so the appeal is this. He says this. He says, but if we walk in the light, now remember this. It's about this whole walk as behavior. We have to choose to walk into this light. We, we have to read the things that Scripture tells us from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and we believe God in what he says. We believe God in saying, okay, I know this is what you've written, what's good for me and what's bad for me, and I'm going to put the bad for me things over here, and I'm going to choose to walk in the light. So we have this great choice. Are we going to walk in light or walk in darkness? Walk in step with God or walk out of step with God? And let him be our leader. Let me tell you a quick story. Many, many years ago, Kelly and I were house parents at a um, youth ranch in Arkansas, a Glenhaven Youth Ranch. And, uh, and we were, uh, had about eight boys in our house, plus our three small children. And every now and then, you know, we had horses and that sort of thing. And we had chores to do around there. And we went into this one pasture, and there had too many cows in it at one time. And they had left a lot of their evidences in the pasture. That's about as tame as I could put that. And I needed, and Chris was right, was, was with me, and we had to walk through this pasture. And we had to go fix some fence, and, and he's probably, I don't know, seven or so, about that age. And he says, Dad, Mom's going to kill me if I get my shoes dirty. And I said, that's probably right. I said, but do this. I said, you walk behind me, and you step where I step and we're gonna be okay. The sun was behind us and I could see this little shadow behind me walking. Of course, I had to shorten my gait a little bit because his wasn't as long as mine. Of course, mine isn't long at all anyway. But I can tell you, it was such a joy to see my son walking right in my footsteps. What did Jesus tell his disciples, follow me? He wants us to follow him because he's not going to take us to a bad place. He's not going to take us where we're not intended to go. Now, let me just say this. He will put you in some, in some situations that will grow your relationship with him. But God is not going to lead you to destruction. He's going to bring you to life. Can you imagine how joyful it is when it, just in, in, in knowing that you're in lockstep with him? And saying, this is what God intends for me. But you see, the thing is, we can also step outside that boundary, can't we? And that's what John is saying. He said, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And it's just a joy here. And so he's talking about the fellowship, but here's the, here, I guess, I, I don't want to hammer on it too hard, but the fellowship can be tarnished. Now, you don't lose your salvation, but you can tarnish your relationship with him. I know many times, many, when I was a young man, we had this commercial came on, and it was about um, Tarnax. And, this, and you had your silverware that was actually silver, and you dipped it in there, and all of a sudden it's just made clean again. Well, see, that's the same thing with us as Christians, that if we, if we walk out of step with him, we sometimes get tarnished. But I can tell you, it tells us the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and makes us in right fellowship again. That's our Savior. 
That's our God. So this first appeal is, is, is knowing about um, what we say and what we do. In verse 10, you'll see it there. So it's in that we see that he says, if we say, in verse 8, if we say. So there's this, somehow, there's this disconnect about what we say and what we're really doing. Remember, behavior is a language. It's so easy to deceive ourselves, and let's talk about that for a moment. It's so easy to, to walk somewhere where we're not intended to go. Because many of us don't intend to go there, it's just maybe a little deviation. Maybe a little deviation. And I know all about deviation. Uh, many years ago, I had a construction business and I laid a lot of tile. And I, I did this huge room one time, and I mean, it was a lot of 12 by 12 tile. And I had a helper with me. And, this, and, the, and so we're, we've got everything ready to go and I'm, and, the, and I'm popping lines to make sure that everything is plumb and straight and all of that and making sure that um, our tiles are going to be just perfect as they go on down the road. And I asked him, I said, what are your measurements down there? He says, well, he said, um, we're pretty good. We're just a sixteenth of an inch off. I think that's pretty good. And I said, now stop just for a moment. We have 12 courses of tile to lay to this end. If you're a sixteenth of an inch off, what are we going to be at the very end off? We're going to be a full inch. And I said, that won't work because the grout lines aren't going to match up and your tile's going to look like this. And I said, we have to be completely straight and plumb, or why even bother? So when we look at that, we see that God wants us on his plumb line. He wants us on that straight edge. He wants us to know in this that what we say can deviate us from there. And so even when we think, well, and we talk about little white lies and talks about things like that, God doesn't want any darkness in us either and any type of deception that we can deceive ourselves because it's really easy to convince ourselves that something is good. I convince myself that going around that barricade is an all right thing to do. But you know, God puts barricades up there for a reason, doesn't he? They put, that, they put that little thing there to keep me from going around it. But you see, it's really easy to convince ourselves to go around. But I can tell you, and, and I had no idea that I was going to use this sermon illustration so much. Because there was somebody down at the very end telling us to turn around. And that's what God is telling us. So if we dabble too much in the darkness, we are here this morning, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit tells us, turn around. Get out of that mode of thinking. Follow in step with Him. Because I can tell you this, and I'm going to leave it here, that if we are a child of God and we're redeemed, living in darkness, you will never be joyful in that. You will never be happy in that. Because that is what we intend, because we have the living Jesus inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside of us. And if we are walking where we're not supposed to be, we're going to be miserable people. Now, we won't openly admit it, but at one point in time, you will. Because that is not who we are. It is not who we are based upon. And so the, um, there is, you cannot live that double life. You cannot live on, live on the edge of all of that and just say, well, you know, uh, it'll be okay. No, because God will always bring us back into the truth. He always wants to bring us back into the light. 
So no Christian is ever happy living in direct opposition to God's word and desire. So the appeal number two is this. And this is the great one. I know I said a lot of things this morning, but here's the great one. The second appeal is this in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous. There's that word again, all. Not just a little bit, and it's not enough to get us by, but all unrighteousness. And so let's get this right. Let's get this correct here. Forgiveness right now is always available. Look what it says. If, in the, and it's always available. But here's what we have to do. And this is very important. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Now, let's get the order right. If we. There's that possibility. There's that choice. If we tell him about what we've done. If we come clean about what we've done. Now, I've raised three kids, and I'm not going to set any of them apart this morning because one of them's here. But I can tell you one of the hardest things in the world is admitting when you've done wrong. Amen? Come on, church. It's a very difficult thing to tell the truth about yourself. It's a very difficult thing. But what we're saying here, if you tell God this, if you confess these things, and so that confession has a, has that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it tells us that it's about godly sorrow, that you come and you are truly sorry, that you're truly um, wanting to come back into fellowship with God. And what that means, it's sincerity. Because it's easy to say, well, you know, and just kind of give God lip service and say, yeah, I did it again, and the devil made me do it, and off I go. What God wants to see is he wants to see your heart and say, I've done this thing. You remember when David sinned with Bathsheba and all of his sin came crashing down upon him? What did he do? He sat down, and, and that was the customs of the time. He sat down. He threw ashes on himself. He put sackcloth on himself. And he sat in that confession in front of God and saying, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. And he sat and he, and, he, and he confessed all of these things to God, which God knew already. But you see, that is him sitting and saying, God, these are the things that I have done, and I confess to you. The grace of God covered him. The same grace of God covered Peter when he denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion. I love that scene at the end of John where Jesus says, feed my sheep, and there's that restoration of Peter. You see, our God is a, is, a, is a loving God. He is a holy God, yes, but he is a grace-filled God. And he wants to see your heart. And so there's a lot of times I say, well, I'll just say a little, you know, and I'll just go do the same thing again. You see, it's about confession about who we are and this godly sorrow, this sincerity. And what that means is godly sorrow means that we have a deep regret of what we've done and say, God, I, I, I've fallen into this and I regret it deeply, and I want to come back into fellowship with you. And there's this sadness over sin. You know what, and let's just, let's just use this one word, and this is going to cover it, that I come broken before God. Do you know what one of the most amazing things is, is that we can come before God and confess our weakness and come before him all broken up, and he is a God who restores us. 
I have been there on so many occasions in my life that I have just, I have messed up. I have, I have run from God. I've done so many things. And in the end, I know that there's a Savior who loves me, and I come to him broken. And in my weakness, what the Bible say, in my weakness, you are made strong. So there's no worry about weakness. Because we, as, as, as Americans or in this world, we think weakness is, is a terrible thing. But in front of God, it means a contrite heart of brokenness and saying, I want to I come back. It is the same thing when you look at the, 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 um, the young man, the prodigal son, who came back and he had this huge story about how he's going to just be a servant and how he had turned away from, and, and, uh, from his father and everything. And the father ran out to meet him because his son had come home. You see, that's our Lord God. He just wants to see us making a step to come home. And he's a great God. And so when we look at this, we see that he has this confession. He says that, and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you can bring anything at all to him. Anything at all to him. There is nothing in this world that is new to him. He knows us. He knows every cell in our body. And so therefore, he knows what we've done. Remember, his eye is on the sparrow. And when the sparrow falls, he notices. How much more will he notice us, the Bible tells us. And we can bring him all the ugly truth. We can bring him everything that, that, has, that has impacted us and the things and the decisions we made and those sorts of things, maybe denying him. I don't know what it is, but you can bring it to him. And if you confess it to him and say, I want to be made well, he is faithful. And what does that mean? It means he's not going to turn you away. It means that he's right there and says, time to come home. And maybe that's what he's telling you today on two different levels. If you've never received Jesus Christ in your life, maybe he's telling you this morning, come to me, follow me. And if you're here this morning and you've walked too much on the dark side, your behavior and your language doesn't match what, uh, what the Bible has us to do and the, and the holiness that's within us, come today. Come today and let him lavish that grace upon you. I love the, the, um, the image of, of him pouring out grace. And we can leave here this morning and still in the same regard and just walk out these doors and just kind of live the same life. A life in darkness, a life that, that doesn't have that, that direction. Today is the day. Come to him and let him restore you. Because you see, it's all about the fellowship. It's all about what we say and what we do. So you come this morning and how God is leading you. And I've been in prayer all week that God is leading us into whatever the decision it may be. You come this morning and don't let this moment slip away without coming to him. Father God, we thank you so much for it is a word of, of grace and mercy. It is a word, oh God, that brings peace. And Heavenly Father, we're here this morning and, and, um, and you know every heart, every detail, everything. 
And Heavenly Father, I'm praying that we become now, Father, ready to confess these things or, or bow before you. And that Father God seeking that restoration. Thank you, God, for coming. Thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you, God, for coming and saving us. Thank you, God, for being there forevermore. I thank you and praise you, God. Let this time of invitation be amazing. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.